All right. In the first half hour, we are joined by Judge Janet Protosiewicz as part of our conversation with the two candidates for Wisconsin Supreme Court. This half hour, Charles Benson joins us again from TMJ4. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. And our guest this half hour, former Supreme Court Justice of the State of Wisconsin, Daniel Kelly. Welcome. Thank you so much, guys. It's great to be here with you. All right. So real quick, first week of the general election campaign, quick takeaways, experiences. How was it? Quick takeaway is it's been great. It's been enjoyable. It's been busy. We've been all over the state already. And, uh, and I've, uh, I've loved continuing this conversation with our fellow Wisconsinites about what they want in a Supreme Court justice. And what I'm hearing everywhere I go is they want someone who's going to be faithful to the Constitution, who's going to uphold the law in every single case that we hear. Uh, so they tell me uh, that they've got one job that they want us to do, just one. And that's to use the existing law to decide their cases. So that's what we've been uh, talking about all over the state, and I'm looking forward to continuing that. All right, we're going to have a chance to talk about that. But let me start first with uh, sort of why you got back into running uh, for this job. Uh, Movies and books are often made of comebacks. You're trying to make a comeback here for a seat that you once had and uh, lost three years ago. So what motivated you to say, I want to do this again? Yeah, I like to think of it more uh, of an ask back. Uh, So over the last couple of years, I've been touring the state and doing presentations on the proper role and function of the judiciary within a constitutional construct. And uh, and when I get done, uh, I have lots of conversations with our fellow Wisconsinites, and they tell me, look, we want our next Supreme Court justice. We want to have no question what they're about. We want someone who's committed to the Constitution, who understands that the job of a justice is really limited. It's really uh, quite humble. You just use the existing law to resolve cases. And they said, we saw that in you uh, when you served us as one of the Supreme Court justices. Would you come back? And so uh, so I think this is a, an ask back. And, uh, and I've been pleased uh, to say that I, uh, that I would love to go back and continue serving my fellow Wisconsinites so on the Supreme Court. Let's jump into one of the big issues that's really been played out so far, and it's around abortion and around the mm-hmm. state's 1849 law. Uh, we asked Judge Protasevich about her endorsements, and you've received an endorsement from the Wisconsin Right to Life Political Action Committee that says it endorses candidates who have pledged to champion pro-life values and stand with Wisconsin right to life legislative strategy. And my question to you is, isn't there an expectation that you, Dan Kelly, will stand there and not change the law when it comes to where we stand? No, actually not. So, um, so that, uh, that verbiage uh, relates to their legislative endorsements. So the only conversation that I've had with them is what, they, uh, uh, what I will do as a Supreme Court justice, not with this issue, but as the role of a court. So this, I, I've told them the same thing that I tell everybody else. Uh, I will apply the existing law to resolve cases to the extent that it's consistent with our Constitution. And that is the only pledge I've made to anyone on any issue uh, that would uh, potentially come before the court. It is to do the job of a justice. So, um, so my understanding is that their endorsement is, uh, is their endorsement of my, politi- uh, my judicial philosophy, not politics, right, not issues, 
but judicial philosophy, the role of the court in simply applying the law that already exists. So uh, to the extent that it's consistent with the Constitution. So that is, um, I believe that's the basis for their endorsement. And uh, it's the basis for the endorsement of everyone else uh, who has supported my campaign. They want someone who will simply apply the law. You and I talked last Wednesday morning after the primary. And we spent a lot of time talking about rule of law, the definition of law. So I, I actually mm -hmm. reached out to a couple of attorney friends of mine who have argued cases in front of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. This is what one of them said. Yes, that's true. And they fully believe that that's what you, you intend to do if on the court. But what they told me is a legal provision sometimes is clear and sometimes not clear. Mm -hmm. And that suggests that a justice, whether at the Wisconsin Supreme Court or at the, the U.S. Supreme Court, does have some level of interpretation involved in that process. So there's no discretion in interpreting uh, legal text. The only pro the, the project is the same, regardless of whether the provision is clear or ambiguous. And it is to figure out the original public meaning of the text. That's the goal. Uh, it is not to uh, is not to find wiggle room so that the justice can import their own personal views and their preferences and how that comes out. Uh, it is a uh, it is an academic project when the language is ambiguous, and we have a whole host of disambiguation tools that allows us to discover what the original public meaning of the text is. So uh, so there is work to be done. Uh, when there's ambiguity in a statute. But the point is not to use that as an opportunity to import your own views and your own values. It is uh, when that occurs, that is a signal that your job as a justice has begun to figure out what that law actually means uh, and what the original meaning was when it was enacted. So let me ask you a specific question related to that. Mm -hmm. So we know that the Trump organization, the campaign, challenged the election results in Wisconsin. And I'm not asking you to look forward, but look back. Mm -hmm. Court ruled 4-3, Brian Hagedorn was the decider. He went with the liberal members of the court. Um, it was decided that that was an unreasonable request. But three justices apparently decided it wasn't. Your thoughts on that ruling and just an examination of how you might have considered that one. So I, I've not um, uh, done the research on that, and I've not read the briefs, uh, and I've not looked at that case uh, sufficiently to figure out how I would rule in that case. But I think we do have to kind of unpack what the case was about. So first off, we have to be clear about which case we're talking about. There is one. Uh, there were actually two. Uh, and there, uh, and then the question is, which issue are you interested in exploring? So some of it was um, decision avoidance doctrines. Uh, is it ripe to decide? Is it moot? Right? And that's just a preliminary question of whether the court is going to address the case at all. Uh, and then you get into the, uh, the questions of law that were presented. So, for example, there were a couple of challenges. One was to um, ballot harvesting. Another was to the use of ballot drop boxes. And as you know, those two issues actually were resolved in a subsequent case, uh, the Teigen versus uh, Wisconsin Election Commission case, in which the Supreme Court uh, looked at the statutes and said, well, there appears to be no, uh, no allowance for the use of um, ballot drop boxes or ballot harvesting. So, uh, you know, there's, uh, so there's a whole lot going on in those two cases. You'd have to figure well, that out. So let me ask you about the drop boxes, because yep. as you know, uh, Justice Bradley, Rebecca, the conservative on the court, said good intentions never override the law. And mm -hmm. what she's basically saying is that there isn't a state statute to guide the state on drop boxes. The mm -hmm. Wisconsin Election Commission uh, uh, kind of 
took the helm on that issue. And then you have the other Justice Bradley, the liberal-leaning uh, Ann Walsh, saying, look, this is about the right to vote, and it therefore created another roadblock. So is something like drop boxes a right to vote issue or an administrative rule issue? So it's a it's a statutory question, right? So uh, oftentimes, um, you know, we have two different kinds of circumstances when we're trying to figure out what statutes require or allow. Uh, in one type of circumstance, uh, you are allowed to do anything unless a statute prohibits you from doing something. In the other kind of bailiwick, uh, you have a circumstance in which you are not allowed to do anything unless the statute specifically allows it. The conduct of elections are the latter. So, uh, so the um, so election administration is very much in the realm of positive law. There has to be a statute that says you can do X. So, if you want to use uh, a ballot drop box, and it may be a good idea, it may not be a good idea. But that's not the question before the court. That's a question for the legislature to answer. So when that comes to the court, the only question is, is there a statute that allows it? And if you can't find a statute that allows it in that kind of a circumstance, you can't use that. Our guest this half hour on WTMJ Conversation, Justice Daniel Kelly. After the break, the politics of running for Wisconsin Supreme Court. We'll do that next on WTMJ. Continuing our conversation on WTMJ Conversations, our guests from TMJ4, Charles Benson, and our special guest today, running for Wisconsin Supreme Court, Justice Daniel Kelly. He served from 2016 to 2020. I talked about this with you last week. The the money involved in these campaigns, this is not shocking or surprising to anybody who's followed Wisconsin politics. Often the center of the political world, the center of the universe when it comes to spending. You are running, well you're not, an agency or somebody else is running ads supporting your candidacy starting today. Mm -hmm. The opponent in this race, Judge Jana Protosewicz, has been running a lot of ads from last week to this week. Can you catch up? Do you have the money to compete in this race? Because we both know it's not all about money, but it's a big chunk of what decides these races sometimes. Oh, yeah, we'll be able to catch up. There's no question about that. Um, and, and I think the, the real difference maker is going to be our message. So, you know, Janet's got to spend a whole lot of money because what she's asking to do is profoundly unnatural in our form of justice. So she's proposing to be a politician in a black robe. Uh, she's proposing to put her thumb on the scales of justice as she decides cases to make sure they come out in accord with her values. Now, that's a heavy lift to try to convince our fellow Wisconsinites that that's anywhere close to an appropriate thing to do under courts. So, uh, so she's got to spend a ton of money uh, to try to get people to buy into that program. Um, and what we need to do is, uh, is to do exactly what I've been doing over the last couple of years. It's just talking with people in Wisconsin about their constitution, uh, the liberties that that constitution protects, uh, and how much they want a court that understands its limited and humble role, simply applying the law to resolve the cases. I'm going to ask you a yes or no question, hmm? simple one. I know these are supposed to be nonpartisan races. Are these ever going to be nonpartisan races again in the state of Wisconsin? Yes. This race, this one, right now, I am running a nonpartisan race, and not only nonpartisan, but nonpolitical. So we have political branches of government. They are not the court. So po political decisions and discussions are to be held in the legislature, right? That's where we answer those questions. When we get to the court, politics are done. Politics, in fact, are poison to the operation of the court. Because what we're doing is we are, everything that we address has already happened in the past. 
there's been a contract that's been breached, statute that wasn't followed, a tort that was committed. So everything has already occurred. And so it is absolutely essential that we not do politics and that we merely apply the law that existed at the time the facts occurred. And that's how you have justice. And if you do anything other than that, you won't have justice. But how will people look at this where they won't see red robes or blue robes and they look at your record? Uh, you did legal work for mm-hmm. not only the state party, but the national party mm-hmm. and ar- around election laws. And so if they've seen that you've been paid in the past to mm-hmm. do legal work for them, why wouldn't they assume that you are a Republican and are leaning that way to help Republicans. Because I've already served on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, and I've written scores of opinions, and I've got them all listed uh, on our campaign website. And by the way, that's justicedanielkelly.com. And we listed them there specifically so people can go and see how I handle the office of justice and how I set aside personal views and personal politics to do the work of the court. Is there an example for you that you would say that would stand out in that area and Republicans would like, wow, that was Justice Kelly? Well, I can uh, I can certainly tell you that there have been uh, uh, decisions that we've made that I've authored uh, that. So, for example, um, you know, people might um, people have sometimes suggested, well, you're on the Republican side. And you th- and, and they think you're just going to do what the Republicans want. Well, you can uh, ask Robin Voss about that. Uh, in fact, you could look at SEIU versus Voss, uh, in which we uh, reviewed the constitutionality uh, of some legislation passed in 2018, and uh, in one uh, one piece of it addressed. Uh, the legislature's ability to control the executive branch's creation of guidance documents. And uh, we looked at that, and Justice Rebecca Bradley and I uh, said, no, that steps over the boundaries of the legislature's authority and invades the executive branch's authority. And so we said that is not constitutional. We struck that down. Let me just follow up on that, because you're not running against Justice Hagedorn, but you have made statements about him and Mm -hmm. used the term that he is, quote, I think you said, extremely unreliable Mm -hmm. Um, unreliable to who the Constitution how see here's the thing so when we talk about uh, when we talk about this kind of thing in the courts we're not talking about uh, adherence to a political ideology by the way it was supremely unreliable indeed it was Uh, and that's the key because in the Supreme Court we don't do politics we do the law you think he's playing politics um, I think he had an insufficiently um, complete understanding of how the Constitution works. And this is specifically in relation to the, um, uh, the Palm case, uh, the Safer at Home order, and uh, where, the, um, where an administrative agency uh, employee reached over and grabbed the legislature's authority and wrote the laws for the state of Wisconsin all by herself. And that's not what our Constitution allows. Brian looked at that and said, that's just fine. I, I don't understand how you can come to that conclusion with our separation of powers, the way that's described in Articles 4, 5, and 7 of the Wisconsin Constitution. So, uh, so when, I, um, when I talk about other jurists, I'm not talking about the bottom line. I'm not talking about whether the, uh, the result of the case is something that is going to be beneficial to one party or another. I'm talking about the law and your ability to follow what it says. And so when I say that someone is unreliable, I'm referring to the reasoning process and the ability to adhere to what the law says. So uh, back to your question about whether this is going to be, uh, whether we're ever going to have a nonpartisan election, this is it, at least for my part. 
Now, my opponent is making it uh, most clear that she wants to have nothing to do with the rule of law, and she wants it to be all about politics. And that's why every time she makes an appearance, she talks about her political values. So, uh, so for my part, we are having a non-political, non-partisan race. I invite Janet to join that and to set aside her politics. I ran for office. I held public office. I'm a big fan of clarity in messaging and being very clear on what you have done and mm-hmm. what you are prepared to do. I want you to clear up for any, any confusion with voters on the role you played in the alternate slate of electors. That's a hot topic in Wisconsin, certainly mm-hmm. one that we've had lots of conversations on talk radio about. Yeah. What role did you play in any or all of that? <laughs> None. So here's what happened. Uh, I received a call from the, uh, from the chairman of the Republican Party. Uh, the party was a client of mine at the time. And uh, he asked if I was in the loop on, uh, on the alternate electors. And I said no. Um, and so, you know, we talked about uh, that question for, uh, for a short time. And that was it. Do you think any of your previous legal work precludes you from any decisions you might have to make on the court? Well, that all depends on what, uh, what case comes before the court, right? And that's why uh, recusal decisions have to be made on a case-by-case basis. Uh, so as I was on the Supreme Court, I followed the rules on recusal. Uh, there were uh, cases in which I had to recuse myself because of prior work, and, uh, and I would follow the same rules if the people of Wisconsin returned me to the court. Do you see uh, any concerns with the outside money coming in? I mean, it, sh- you have been out raised by your opponent, but I think you also mentioned that you thought there would be a lot of outside money mm-hmm. coming in if you are the nominee. Uh, does that raise a concern to you that there are these special interest groups fighting? So um, the only concern it raises for me is that, uh, you know, obviously we have no influence uh, over what they say, uh, when they say it, and how they say it. And so, you know, I, I, want, uh, I want this to be a fact-filled and truthful campaign by everyone involved. And so I hope that all organizations who are participating will do that. My final question, because we asked this to uh, Judge Protasevich, uh, do you, can you say something admirable about your opponent? Uh, She's had a long uh, history of public service, and I admire public service. Justice Daniel Kelly, candidate for Wisconsin Supreme Court, thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks for being generous with your time last week as well. Charles Benson, thanks for sitting in this hour. It's great to be here. Absolutely, and we'll continue the conversation next hour, all part of WTMJ Conversations. Thanks so much, guys.